Hello everybody, good evening, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, I am Cammy Black. Uh, those of you watching live, we've got a full compliment tonight. Um, I was I was messaging somebody about a future appearance on the podcast and they said that I can do tonight and I said, well, no, Ember and Glasgow both won and so they're all clamming for you. <laughs> That's what happened. Um, I thought we'd start though, Johnny, because Johnny McGinty's here after his holiday. Well, I thought we'd start by uh, asking for um, you to analyse how a five versus Berwick. Do you want to start? No. <laughs> um, no, I've uh, see. I've obviously had a week more than longer than the rest of you, so I've spoken to a few of the boys, and and a lot of it seems to be the same as what you and Craig were saying last week. You know, gutted that they had some chances that they didn't take, and it certainly looked that way from the highlights. So their turn leg should be good. Looking good. I wasn't letting you escape that. <laughs> you weren't getting away with that. Uh, we've also got with us. We've got Craig Manson. Good evening, Craig. I'm not going to make you relive it again. No, it's fine. Thank you very much. Good evening, all. How are we doing? Uh, we've got John Anderson. Good evening, John. There you can. And we've also got Ian here. Hello, Ian. Boo! Oh wait, sorry. Um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's later, Ian. That's later. So, um, if you uh, you can, like I said, you can watch us live now. We're on. Um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch about half past eight on a Wednesday evening. Um, you can also download an audio version of the podcast afterwards on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Alexa, uh, Google Podcasts. I say Google Podcasts. Any anywhere you can get podcasts, that's that's where we are. Um, you can also, if you want, sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast for £3 a month. You get ad-free audio versions of the podcast. You get access to some super secret live streams that go beyond the main one. Uh, and you also get a, a, an extra bonus weekly audio podcast as well that, that comes from that live stream. That's where Hands in the Rook is now for anyone that's been missing that. That's, that's where we have our little rants. And we also have a bit of a swear because we try and be you to PG on the main podcast, and then we, we, we kind of relax a little bit, relax our like, our tongues a little bit when it comes to the uh, to, to Hans and the Rock later on. Um, we, um, we'll start with a little bit of news. Um, we Obviously, we are the, the podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, and you can go to scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, and today we published uh, an open letter to Glasgow Warriors and Al Kellogg, about the upcoming fixture with Exeter Chiefs. Um, Patreons will know we've talked about this um, on Hands in the Rock the last couple of weeks, just about everything that's gone, uh, been going on recently. Um, and we've talked for, about this issue for a long time. Um, and at the weekend on BT uh, Rugby Tonight, uh, they interviewed two um, women of Indigenous American origin. Um, there was uh, Leandra Neffin and Jen Noel Camper. Um, that is... Um, excerpts of that are on um, the BT Sport website, so they're well worth checking out. There's really interesting interviews with them. Um, so off the back of that, that got a lot of attention. Also, Wasps Rugby CEO has come out and said that he's having ongoing discussions with Premier Rugby, so we thought the timing was right to write to Glasgow and to Al Kellogg. Um, so um, you can go and have a look at that letter on the, on the blog. I'm not going to read it out now. Um, this afternoon slash evening, um, we have heard from Glasgow Warriors uh, who con- who reached out and contacted us? Um, they have said that I've got to get this right because we you know we want we don't we haven't got we, this is uh, they've said that what what we can say is um, when I find the message that's gone from my <laughs> disappeared from my notes is really this is really impressive. Well, uh, really fresh. The edited version from what I remember. No, here we go. I've got so they're appreciative of the letter. 
Um, and they're still at a discussion stage with EPC, EPRC, which is European Rugby, Wasps and Exeter themselves. Yes. Ian's nodding. Uh, That's what we can say. Yeah. Well, That's what you told say, me I could like, say, Ian. I know, but they, I'm just, I can never remember what the acronym for the, <laughs> the rugby is. It EPRC or EPCR? EPCR. EPCR, yeah. It's kind of the same with what Wasp said last week. Um, when they'd said they were looking into it, they are looking for guidance for above. They don't yeah. want to be, Glasgow don't want to be the guys who come and saying, no, we are saying this, we can't do this. Um, they're looking for a bit of support, basically. But the, um, fact this... that the fact that having the discussions, though, is positive. That's what that's what I took from it. The fact that those discussions are happening, and, and I, I don't think it was publicly known that those discussions were happening, is, is a really positive thing. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I received a surprise phone call about it. Um, I, I nearly dinged it because I just thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to answer it. And go, no, I have not been in a car crash. Take me off your list, please. Um, but it was uh, Cameron from Glasgow Warriors, uh, and he said we can share that. Yes, Warriors are looking into this because obviously the groundswell of thought behind it has been building up over the last couple of years especially um, and particularly with uh, Leandra and Jen's appearance on uh, Rugby Tonight on BT Sport it's really helping to drive home the message that you know it's this mean this thing like as I said to Cameron like thing is Exeter fans we've been up a few times before mingled with them all fine people I'm not assuming they're all mad racists you know this is not the, the point this is not we're saying these are all a bunch of mad racists stop wearing a headdress whereas it's saying uh, these artifacts you're wearing they are sacred items you are mocking this culture and it's just because they didn't know about it you know we didn't know about it you know you know, um, we're not experts in uh, Native American history I don't think any of us are anyway um, or indigenous people's cultures and stuff like that but the, the voices are there now. It's not just us wokey white boys with our lefty liberal sensitivities. The people who this is affecting are seeing it. Um, and it's not just the American thing. You know, the American teams are all changing their names. Exeter are the last ones to jump on the bandwagon. And no, it's not, they shouldn't, you shouldn't jump on every bandwagon. But the fact of the matter is the people who you, who you say you are honouring are saying that you are not honouring them, you are offending them, you are mocking them, you are caricaturing them, uh, you are stealing things from them which are sacred yeah. and, and stuff, and it, it shouldn't be allowed. You know, you, like I said, like, I mean, we're, we're a stone's throw away from blacking up and doing the black and white minstrel show here. That's, you know, that's what that, it is. The, the, the interesting thing with this is that the, the, there's always been voices from outside the club that have said this isn't right. But the main groundswell of support for change has come from within the club and has come from the the crowd, the you know the club's own fans and and we've been clear about that in the in the letter saying it's a section of fans that continue to wear the headdress and it's a section of fans that continue to chant the tomahawk chop and that that's what we're asking Glasgow to to ban it. It's technically it's a breach of stadium rules anyway because you're not supposed to do anything offensive within Scotson Stadium. Um, I don't. I, we're not asking for them to ban the branding. Although wasps went, Johnny wasps have gone that stage further, and they they didn't include any of Exeter's branding within their social media posts this week when they were it playing was them. Brilliant! 
and it took me a couple of days to notice. And then I think it may have actually been someone you said someone sent it to you where yeah. Wasps do their full time poster with uh, their badge and then the opponent's badge, and they'd left a blank space where Exeter's badge was. And I like because I'm cynical like that. I thought I'm going to go and check that this is actually what Wasp has done, and nobody's photoshopped it. So I went <laughs> on to Wasp's official Twitter feed, and they did do that. And also, when they do their live score updates, they'll normally just use a Wasp emoji and the visiting team's emoji and they used a big black cross for Exeter <laughs> for every single live update. It's so yeah. like they, they use like cherries for Gloucester, they use like the little Saint Feast for, for Northampton and stuff. For Exeter it was a big it was a black cross for every single update and then they just left a blank space on the poster, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> and and Craig, I mean it's it's easy I think for people to say why you know why are we talking about this on a Scottish rugby podcast? You know, why why does it matter? And I think there's a there's a couple of things that we Kind of, uh, I suppose is that one. It's, um, you know, they're, they're coming up to Glasgow, and do we want that in 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 a Scottish ground? Do you want to see that in a Scottish ground? Um, the other thing is, is it showing support for for people affected by this? And the other thing I suppose is that, you know, Scotland is a it's a country of, of well who welcomes immigration, and and do we as a sport does rugby want to say? You know, I suppose what message does it send to people who aren't white that we'll allow other cultures, other other backgrounds to be mocked openly within it within the, the sports stadium? Because it's not just Indigenous American people that that would be offensive to. It also sends the wrong message to people of other Black, Asian, and other ethnic minority groups. I think also you you know Scotland's a uh, you know a, it's becoming more and more a liberal um, uh, country. Um, and it's for me. It's it's more the fact of we're in the we're in the um, we're in a modern culture nowadays. Um, I need to be able to look my kids in the eye and say that we said we that, that we've always um, we've always stood up for what's right. Um, and I just remember my days when I used to go to Northern Ireland um, when I worked I I, um, I worked over there, and they they are. You know, almost a generation away from getting away from all of the troubles that they had, and it's about making sure that 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 you're on the right side of history, as we've always continue, we've we've continually discussed. I think also we, you know, wasps have 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 taken the step, and I think it's very much up to the rugby clubs um, within the UK, the professional rugby clubs, to take that step with them. Um, and stand behind them and say we're with you as well because they've, they're the ones that have actually taken a step and are taking a fair bit of flack um, about it. So I think it's it's a good step to take. I think Glasgow are a fairly um, open-minded club. Um, don't get me wrong, um, us in Scotland haven't got it right all the time. Uh, we're not the we're not the most you know we're, we're not the comp- the most woke um, uh, country in the world, but you know we we have had we have got it wrong in times, but this time we've got the opportunity to be on the right side of it, and I think it's the right way to go. Yeah, and I suppose that that's the thing, John, is the speaking to wasps. That was that surprised me a little when we heard that 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 I suppose when you think about it, it makes sense. But that that's the positive thing that they're talking to the club that have already taken a stand about this. Yeah, I mean, it just shows a bit of solidarity, doesn't it? But also, if we're being, again, back to the very first point we made about almost seeking support from above, the work that WASPs have already undertaken on this, you know, they've obviously issued a statement kind of saying that we're going to be doing work on this, they're going to be having discussions. Those discussions, it's really important that Glasgow get wind of those because, you know, 
uh, if they are going to take any steps in this matter, then having all the evidence in front of them is really useful. And, you know, why, why reinvent the wheel if someone's already done it? Brilliant. Yeah. And I think the thing is, Ian, you, it was something you kind of, when we were drafting the letter together, and um, you'd kind of raised about what Glasgow did with Nelson Mandela. And I think that's what we've said in the letter is, you know, we, we'd like Glasgow. We're asking them to take a step for, further because you know, Glasgow has this history as a city of, of taking a stand on big issues. It, it gave Nelson Mandela the freedom of the city. I don't think I'd realised the whole story of this, that they given Nelson Mandela the freedom of the city in, in 1981. But then not only that, but the city council then renamed the street where the South African embassy was to be Mandela Place, which is a wonderful, yeah. that's a wonderful piece of trolling. Yeah, I think... Um... I've not actually checked this up uh, since, but well, I'm pretty sure it was it went to a sort of public vote yeah. or open uh, suggestion were open to the public, and they said we'll call it Nelson Mandela Place. Um, unfortunately, Simple Minds also wrote a song about it. <laughs> um, but no, uh, you know, I mean, some of the stuff that you'd said in the letter, Cami, like the the 1915 rent strikes, and the thing about the um East Coast aviation manufacturers refusing to build Chilean warplanes. Those things I didn't know, but obviously, you know, sort of more recent history, there's poll tax as well. You know we 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 don't we, we don't take kindly to bullies. Um, and that's exactly what this is. And I mean one of the big things I'm just surprised at is that, you know, the Exeter players haven't been backward and coming forward with their opinions about certain things. And yet, they, none of them seem to say anything about the branding. Um, you know, where's, where's Jack Knowles' opinion on this? Well, if you think think about it, Ian, think about the dodgy lids that Jack Knoll and Henry Slade are sporting. <laughs> they obviously are in the they're in the market for something to cover up that dodgy hairstyle. So, um, given Knoll wears that stupid abomination of a head headguard from Red Bull, we have had that feedback before when we've talked about this issue. Is what you know? Why aren't we condemning Stuart Hogg? Why aren't we condemning Johnny Gray? And why aren't we condemning you know, um, the, the Sam Hildago Klein? And you know, it's it's. <laughs> we've it's, condemned Sam Hildago Klein loads, just not for this. Know, just not for that. <laughs> just not about this. <laughs> but I don't think I, you know. Ultimately, the, I'm, I'm, and I'm not excused now. You know, I, I would like to think that those discussions are happening internally with the players. Somehow we don't know. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I think it's about targeting the right people in the right way and having the discussion. Now, if somebody was to ask, I'm not in a position to ask Stuart Hogg or Johnny Gray or um, you know about or Sam Skinner what their opinion is about this issue. I've no doubt that now it's in the press. They, they might get asked if they're on press duty for Scotland over the next few weeks. That's probably going to come up. It's probably definitely going to come up prior to the Glasgow game. Let me just check that media schedule next week. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's not. I I don't think you know they've they're employees of the club, and you know they they'll like we've all been in work and jobs and there's things you like about things you don't. And I, yes, we'd like them to take a stand, but are we condemning them for playing for the club? No, because I'm not. I wouldn't condemn Exit Chiefs for change for continuing to support the club because that's that's what it is. It's this is. This is one that I've no doubt Exeter is a wonderful rugby club underneath it all. I'm not sure about the owner, but you know, I'm sure down in Devon they do an awful lot for the community. They certainly do a lot for developing uh, out of town business parks. Um, Very much so. But, you know, I, I'm sure there's lots that goes on that's, that's good at Exeter because, and, and there must be because otherwise, 
the fans that are pushing for this change within Exeter wouldn't keep at it because they wouldn't we, want to walk away. So, so there has to be something special about the club that keeps these people hanging on in the hope that it will change. And I would imagine the players are in a similar position. Yeah, we were we were there. I went in 2019 to Sandy Park for the Glasgow Exeter game, and it was it was a really really nice weekend. The the fans were all really friendly. We went to Gareth Steenson's bar, and they're really welcoming. And it's like it's a, it's a nice place to go, and they they love their team, and the majority of them were were really really nice to us. I wasn't such a fan of being in the Powwow Bar or the Trading Post Club Shop, but. The club, like the club and the fans it's themselves are really nice. They're really involved in the town and stuff. They just need to get this tiny little thing sorted. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's coming. You could see this weekend after the BT Rugby Tonight thing that that, that there was a, a change in some of the regular people you've seen comment on this on Twitter had, had started to had an opportunity afterwards to ask questions to Exit Chiefs for change of Leandra and, and, and she was being very honest and open with that and you could see there was a couple of people starting to say, okay, I understand it now. And the discussions were then going on to talk about alternative branding that Exit could use. And and those, when you suggested it, that to those people in the past that had been dismissed as, oh, no, we're not doing that. We don't need to do that. And the tide seems to be turning anyway, which is a good thing. We hope that Glasgow could play their part in that, which would be nice. Absolutely. Anyway, um, let's move on to something else. And should we do Super 6? Because it's it's finished. <clears throat> This is Super yes. Six is finished, and and I never. I'm really sorry. I apologise now to Martin Clark, who's been after my Super Six jingle all the way through this, and it's I've I've not I've I've failed, Martin, and I'm really sorry for that. Really We're all good. We're all good. Well, me next time me and John are practicing, we'll do like a napalm death one. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you my. I'll give you my. I mean, my idea was just to shout "Pick of the Six over the blankety blanks theme tune, but you know, so if you can do that for me in a, in a napalm death style, then yeah, we'll blast B version of blankety blank. Yeah. I'm, I'm drop. I'm gonna drop B. That's how deep this is going in the base. Can we do it over 200 BPM? Bean? <laughs> if you do it, though, you have to. If you're going to do the blankety, up, John. If, if you're on base, though, Ian, what you really need to do is you need to get the whole boom boom of the blankety blank bit. Because blankety blank, blankety blank, a boom boom. That's that's the, you really need to get that on the base. It's not. Yeah. blank. Pick of the six. But yeah. That all high. Um. I wanted to talk about the fight. I mean, we'll talk. We can talk about the tournament in general, but let's talk about the final. Um, I was predicting a comfortable win for the Ayrshire Bulls, and of the Ayrshire Bulls for the Southern Knights, and Ayrshire Bulls won. Um, I also that that also made me think of all the other terrible predictions I've made on this podcast. Like, and then I remembered I'd said coronavirus. That's just that's just going to be like the flu, isn't it? <laughs> I think uh, I think I said, "Oh man, that's just SARS. That's just SARS." Volume. Yeah, you just said yeah, it's just but... SARS, and I was like, "I just like the swine food. Maybe he's going to yeah. cancel rugby games over this." <laughs> Twenty months later, so uh, not only am I sorry, shaved. Not only am I sorry to the Southern Knights for making that prediction. I'm sorry to the entire of the world and United Kingdom. <laughs> um, sorry, everyone. Sorry, everyone. Um, Craig, that was—I mean, it, it was a good game. I, it was a it maybe wasn't to the kind of free-flowing standard we've come to expect of the Super Six, but overall, it was a—it was yeah, a good contest between two was, two top sides. I think I think 
the, the big I think for me, um Ayers defence was the was the, the the biggest plus point for the for the game because it, it just absolutely put a stranglehold on the on this on the Southern Knights. Um the you know, every time, even when they went down to to fourteen men, the the, the Southern Knights struggled to get any. In fact, they got to a point where the the ball was either turned over or it was kicked upfield. You know, from air because they dropped it. Um, so I think the defence was was absolutely outstanding. Um, especially, for example, I think it was Matt Davison that put that try saving tackle in, um, and that was a that just like like. You know, there's professional teams that can't do that. You know, Ian Moody is not an easy man to hold up when you're a fullback. Absolutely not. That was fabulous. Was it it Caven that came in and helped as well? I mean, that was. was, But if if you if you see him getting rolled, he was rolled just as he was about to put the ball down. He was rolled, Um, and I just thought that was absolutely fabulous. You know, apart from showing up, uh, I think it was uh, there was a kick through. Um, and it showed how uh, inappropriately prepared the Edinburgh, the Dam Health Stadium is um, at the edges of the field. Um, I didn't fancy getting a yeah. bit of rock rash um, and, and metal grating on somebody's head um, and one of the tries. But uh, no, it was, uh, it, it, I, I just thought, ear, ears, I think the, the, the thing that broke um, uh, the Southern Knights was the was ears' defence. Yeah. And that's something we've talked about a lot, John, on the podcast. Is that you know, with with Super Sixes, the the attacks have been absolutely you know top draw. Some of the rugby that's played is brilliant, but a lot of that was maybe down to some poor defending as well. So it's it's good that it's tightening up. I mean, it bodes well for next season, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would sit here and say that they want defenses to be king in the Super Six because. The entertainment value. I think they they said the start at the the, the start of the commentary, didn't they, about how many tries had been scored in the tournament and stuff like that. And you know, it's like 170 or something. It's outstanding, and nobody wants to lose that. But we also need to view it as what it is: is the development pathway potentially for people to get game time, possibly move to pro contracts. It's meant to be that intermediary step between the amateur game and the pro clubs. And you'll not get away with that level of defence in the pro game, like at any point. In those first few weeks, it was, it was quite disconcerting to see how bad the defences were. But I think I think it is really a positive thing that, as as Craig says, you know, a team has won it, and really defence is what won it for them. We've we've seen we've seen both teams kind of score lots of tries against others. So no, it's it's good. But if they want to just like keep this like super rugby and just like tackling optional and just go for it, then I think I'm, I'm <laughs> I still think I'm in for that. Um, Ian, I mean, it's it was always going to be knights and air bulls, I suppose, in the in the final. I was quite encouraged to see. I mean, it's I think some of the doubts have been around the franchises and you know how people were going to take to it and whether or not there was going to, they were going to be able to build up their own kind of fan base but you know you look you look at some of the footage and the you know the, there's kids in the crowd wearing Ayrshire air, bull bull horns which is nice to see um yeah I mean I've been down to Milbury twice this season um ladies it was absolutely jam-packed and not just because Matt Valance was there obviously uh, <laughs> um, I think the fact that you know because some of it's been played in summer uh it got more people along 
um, it also helped to get these tri-fests, these initial tri-fests. But then, like you said, you know, it's the fact that uh, sort of two teams who were good defensively, uh, obviously with Pat MacArthur being the Ayrshire coach, um, and also he, he stuck with his pack um, quite a lot, you know, he's, especially his loose five. It was usually Everard, Bloodworth, Sweeney, my boy, uh, Fantini and Blair McPherson. <laughs> um, and, you know, that the, the, they had that cohesion to, to be able to defend. Um, but even, I, I was at the Watts game on Friday. I mean, the tournament was better than the last time I'd been. Um, but it's, certainly, I think, with the issue of build games, too, that I went to, the tournament was better. Um, I think a lot of it's just been, you know, fans haven't been able to go to games, so that probably helped push the issue. But again, as well, I will put forward the fact that the fact that the weather conditions weren't honking um, would encourage people to go along. Um, and I think as well, the brand of rugby, now that they've been able to see it on the telly, uh, I think that probably helped as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, John, we talked about that, um, the, the da- let's, let's talk about the Dam Health Stadium's tri- tri-goal area. Um, <laughs> is that a design flaw that... that, that- the, the the Super Six Rugby has uncovered that the United Rugby Championship has hitherto failed to. The, the end goal in, at Scotstown is not exactly huge either. Um, I don't know whether it's something that that they've used purposely, but but putting that big metal barrier around it doesn't seem like the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot, quite a lot of the air players looked genuinely concerned for their teammate when he went skating into that, which I'm not concerned, like I'm not surprised. I was at Braithome the other week in GHA. They've uh, they've lengthened their pitch, so their in goal area is shorter now. Because um, ah. there, there's there's like a f- I think you've, you're allowed a sort of two or three meter differential. Mm-hmm. Um, or it, I think it's maybe five lengthwise and two or three meters widthwise, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you know that that, that wee toe into touch could be a big thing. Um, I'm not exactly sure who it benefits to have like Murrayfield's got a massive in goal area. Yeah, yeah, they definitely they didn't they didn't change, change it. They've shortened it. Yeah, they've yeah, shortened it. Yeah, it used to be they? massive because Stuart Hogg kept on getting caught out of it. <laughs> 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 Yeah, there's like an absolute minimum, and I think if I remember rightly, with Scottsdale during the Commonwealth Games, they had to move the the sevens to Ibrox because of the in-goal area. It was apparently too small. All right, mm-hmm. I thought it was more a capacity issue. But... Probably a capacity issue as well, but I don't think Ibrox was. I mean, it was pretty busy, but I don't know. If it was oh no, it was ramped. The first was it ramped? Oh, yeah, I went the two sessions of the first day. Um, yeah. I, uh, Brett Gosford, I remember. Like my brother went on the Sunday. My brother was not a rugby fan, but he just he'd won tickets to go, and he, he yep. loved it. He said, "Yeah, the place was absolutely buzzing." Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure Gosford said that it broke all kinds of records for a, a weekend event. Over two hundred thousand tickets sold, and Ibrox is what, 56, 50, 000, 50, 51. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about the team Scotland put out for that games, it's little wonder the fans turned up in their, their droves, you know. That, I think that was when I'd noticed Mark Bennett was like, he'd played a couple of times for Glasgow, but he'd been injured quite a lot, but it was at that tour, I was like, my god, he's got some step on him. Aye. <laughs> and then the year after that, he's ended up being World Rugby Breakthrough Player of the Year nominee. <laughs> yep. There was, a, I, I did, come back to rugby side pitch sizes, there was, I, I did once uncover, and I can't, I'm googling it now to see if I can find it, but I once uncovered a forum post on some random rugby forum post 
of somebody asking what the size of a rugby pitch could be, what's the minimum size of a rugby pitch could be. And the person who posted the question was Gregor Townsend. Mm. And so, so which <laughs> makes me think that he had some sort of like tactical idea of either making it as wide as possible, obviously get the wingers in or make it as narrow as possible and see whether you could vary it. So mm. thinking when, outside uh, the box. When, when Dick Advocate joined Rangers, he asked for the pitch to be an Arado Ibrox to see what the team would play more centrally. That's right. Well, well um, Beric, Shieldfield at Berwick, Rangers, they used to have um, youth internationals because I think it was something like the biggest football pitch outside of like at the national stadium at the time. So they wanted oh, them to come cool. and play on just because it's got a greyhound track and speedway around the side. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, skint knees. Anyway, listen, back to Super 6. I, I gen- I've generally enjoyed it as a spectacle. I think it's it'd be interesting to see where it goes from here next season. I think all the the, the gap between the teams was narrowing as the season came to an end. And I think, I don't think everybody quite beat everybody, but it, it, it was almost there. The, you know, the, I, I don't know whether we're allowed to do the joke anymore. More Craig's we've had the joke about our, our one of our complaints about our accents all the way through this. We've also had a, a, a genuine complaint that we're, that, that our ma ma, the Southern Knights joke is offensive. I think unless you're a Southern Belle, it can't be offensive. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, it's offensive to Southern Bells, and they're offensive anyway. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not offensive if you're mocking a racist. (laughs) (laughs) And we talk about the Southern Knights. I want to have like a burning tea graphic in my background. (laughs) That is where that's where the joke came from, right? See, the context is everything. That is where the joke came from, and then it spiraled into Craig and us thinking about Southern Bells and Gone with the Wind. It's a lowercase <laughs> T for time to leave. <laughs> Naggers, eh? Naggers. But I will say this. I will say this about the Super Six, and that is, frankly, I do give a damn. <laughs> Man, my Cammy, that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I actually, you know, I, I had a, a conversation, um, and I was uh, told that I'm too... Uh, uh, too superficial. Uh, the 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 the, the uh, super six is a is a superficial rugby tournament, and it's an abomination, and it should be should be completely replaced. And I, and I think you know, I think in this. Uh, yeah. Hello, Ian. I can see you. Um, oh, for those that aren't watching, Ian's Ian's doing a, an impression of a nine year old child sorry, in the back sorry, of the back please, of uh, please, geography. Please, um, so we'll yeah, come to you next, Ian. Um, but, <laughs> What I uh, what I what I I was the point I was trying to make about it was that in this modern day that we've got we've got a um, we've got a professional we've got two professional teams hopefully maybe eventually further down the line we might get a third um, but we need a staging post and we need a we need to get players from the Premiership or from from the lower ranks of rugby to actually. Um, experience a semi-professional setup, and I think um, I think it's a, I think it's not perfect. I don't think it's uh, it, it, you know I think it needs at least eight teams in it um, because I think it needs more geographical. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, it needs more teams in it that are from other areas, as of Glasgow, Aberdeen. Dundee, Inverness, you know, there's, there's there's that ability to engage more fans throughout Scotland, but the the accessibility of it this season, the fact that it wasn't um, 
that it, that it started when we had no rugby um, to talk about, um, apart from the Lions, uh, the Lions were just finishing, etc. I think it's been absolutely fantastic, and I, 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 I will not listen to the, the doomsayers. I think it's actually been a very good thing. I think you could probably name. Think of the, the you know, the, the I'll come to you first, Ian. Do you did you have did you have something you wanted to say because you were you were jumping around like you wanted to make excuse you at the toilet? But oh, yeah, no, just like uh, the person or the people who might have said that Super Six was an abomination. I can probably guess some of the names there. Um, but it's... I mean, even from when it started, I think it's improved. I think it is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It's the whole point of it. It's like people seem to think it's uh, it's a gateway for players to move up to Scottish professional teams. The fact mm-hmm. is, we only have two of them, right? So it isn't that. It's, it's a it's a gateway for people to move to possibly to the other professional teams, but mm-hmm. also just to train at a higher level, which mm-hmm. we've seen. So, you know, then you see guys like uh, Stephen Longwell or uh, Marte Arguero, who went from Watsonians and then gone to France D2, or, um, well, Stephen Longwell first was in MLR, now I think he's away to an uh, English Championship. You know, sometimes players take a while to to, to learn. You know, especially, especially front row guys like Longwell. And the fact of the matter is he isn't going to get game time at Edinburgh or Glasgow um, just simply because of the numbers there. So if he can go off to D, France D2, English Championship, play at a higher level, play professionally, you know, if anyone, any player has that opportunity, then it's, it, it's the whole point of it. And it means they can maybe, if they bloom later, they can then be a potential Scotland player. You know, as you know, the detractors are instantly sort of just giving it the sort of, oh, but there's there's hardly any Scottish players, or there's not enough Scottish folk. Well, it's not simply about that, is it? It's about it's about filling that gap because, yeah. you know, when Scotland or Edinburgh have fifteen players away international duty, you're then asking somebody who trains once a week and then plays on a Saturday to come in and play against a fully professional outfit. Um, and it's you know, you're simply going to get found out. And also, you can't just go straight to, we're going to do a semi-pro league, let's just fill it with Scottish players, because you, you, that, what you've got no, you've got nobody driving up the standards. So you have to bring in guys from outside who've experienced professional rugby or who are up-and-coming players to come in and and play. In. And I, I don't, I actually don't, I think with the player numbers that we've got, I would argue that if we're going to expand to eight teams or even more, that you will always struggle to fill those teams, those squads with purely Scottish players. And mm. I think actually it's probably, a, it would be detrimental to do so because you haven't got guys who've experienced rugby elsewhere coming in and, and saying, this isn't, you know, this we need to raise the standards or bringing in ideas from other places, other teams, other cultures. You, you, it just becomes really insular. And that's essentially what happened in the Premiership. And that's why, you know, they had to drop out the British and Irish Cup because they were getting absolutely spanked by, you know, third teams in York. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not like we haven't done this before as well. You know, the both both of the pro clubs have had external influences come in and have a hugely positive impact on the standards at the club, driving up those standards. And we're not, not like that either though, John. No, no, no. we're not. No. Because they're not Scottish, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you could say you could probably say that you could look at any of any. I think the mark of success has been that you could look at any of the teams and and think of three or 
three, two, three players, if not more, in each team that you would think I, I'd be happy if they were in the Glasgow Ember squad. I know some of them kind of tangentially are, but you would think I, I, there's somebody for the future, or there's somebody I wouldn't mind going in and plugging a gap, and that's the mark of a, you know, of of, of it going in the right direction. And also, if you look at, you know, um, there's a there's a very turned up nose um, from from people from uh, Englandshire who are saying that the, the rugby championship, you know, it's not a scratch on the rugby championship and it's this and that and the other. If you look at the rugby championship, first of all, it's failing at the moment. Second mm-hmm. of all, the, the gap between the teams that have money and don't have money is massive. And so you've got these teams going out and either getting, you get a couple of close games and then the rest are getting absolutely spanked. And it doesn't, that, a spanking doesn't, um, apart from certain people who like a spanking, um, doesn't doesn't help doesn't help anybody, um, and I think um, it doesn't make the, the game grow at all. Whereas if you look at the okay, it's a, it's six clubs in Scotland, but there are six clubs who have been who have been fairly well matched, and it's been there's been some fantastic rugby played apart from Stirling County not um, cutting across properly. Oh man, your boy Tom Roach. The, uh, he's, 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 he's brilliant. Yeah, his uh, yeah, first game went to he got a yellow card against Bulls, which I thought was dodgy. It was a deliberate knock on, but I reckon it was a fair attempt at a tackle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say the one thing that I like about this, and it's made me kind of yearn for this in proper rugby as well, is just get rid of the TMOs. You don't need them. And I know there were two. I know there was probably you could probably argue that the fact that well, you could say the first Ayrshire Bulls try shouldn't have been allowed if it was done on a TMO because he was in touch. You yeah. probably would have <clears throat> sat for 20 minutes while some random bloke in a box had judged whether or not Ian Moody had been held up ben, or not. Ben chick, chick. Can I get another angle uh, from the back about whether or not someone got under uh, you know, just be nervous. I'm, I'm on a 12 hour time delay. So uh, you're gonna have to wait for <laughs> lunchtime. But you, you, but then you get the, you do get the um, um, the problems like uh, the how Fife getting robbed at Berwick. Um, yeah, you know if we'd had a TMO, tries. if we'd had yeah. a TMO, then we would have you know it, it would have been a far better. Boys, yeah, boy, Berwick would have been uh, Berwick would have been allowed their try when uh, Gareth Hill <laughs> was a judge to have knocked it forward when he clearly didn't. <laughs> so you boys you know, all know that you need yeah. to take the referee. Out of the Make equation, yeah, and it's you know it's coulda woulda shouldaves. So, but I think the standard the standard of refereeing, and we'll, we'll I think this is something that for hands in the ruck later with um, the yeah. URC, I think. But the standard of refereeing in the Super Six, I think, has been really high, and it's been it's been refreshing to see referees just. And I know they haven't got the TMO, but they've just gone with their guts. Yeah. What yeah. I've been, what, what I think has been most refreshing is as soon as somebody starts yapping. Yep. Ten yards back. Yeah. 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 The boy who got sent off as well on Sunday just, just straight away yeah, went, "All right, yeah, no problem at all. See you later." Mind you, you did like, tackle well, the boy with seed. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many? How many times have you seen in the professional game? You've got all the replays. You're watching the person. They know what they've done. And there's yeah, no mitigation argue. whatsoever, mm-hmm. and they're still like, "No, if I disagree, you just drove a guy's head into the ground." But you disagree, in, okay? In yeah, national, that's cool. International rugby, we'd have had three weeks of in-depth analysis about whether or not that was a red card or not, and it was clearly yeah. a red card. Oh, it was a red card. John Thorne's <laughs> furious about it. <clears throat> but, uh, but I think you know, I'm worried now that like Everard, it was a horrendous tackle, yeah. right? and, and he's he's going to get a lengthy ban. 
but if he was a bigger name player, he would get a he wouldn't get such a lengthy ban. And it's a shame because he has been absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, has he got? Can, has he got any evidence of his gift aid to like National Trust or the, <laughs> or the Dogs Trust or something like that that he can put in and oh, claim it's charitable uh, work? No, he, 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 should, he, should the, the, he should have done that every time he scored a try. To us when we done the, the Dodmaster. That's, uh, I, I, that, that was enough. He, he, he donated a fiver to us. You'll have to Did take really oh, posh well, chocolate that. biscuits. You have to take some really posh chocolate biscuits along to the here and that's uh, what, what, cho- what chocolate biscuits would you take? Foxes. Uh, none yeah. none because biscuit powder's gone. <laughs> Let's say this. Listen, we don't, biscuit, well? we don't do biscuit we don't do that we don't do biscuit powder pat- in the main pod now. That's all for oh, no. You oh. want you want biscuit patter, you yeah. pay you three pounds. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not giving that up for free. Yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about the the urc um because time's marching on and i want to I, I, we've been good at getting this in under, under the hour on the main podcast and i like to keep it that way um let's talk about ember first craig please um, do. because that was the better game out of the two and i and, I, and i'll not have i'll not have it any other way um there was a lot I mean, it was a good game it was yeah. entertaining. I think that I know you said it before. I know you were there. I know we've talked about this before, but and and this this isn't damning you with faint praise. But Ember suddenly feel like a club because of the stadium. Before it felt like a collection of international players and fringe international players who got together on a Saturday and a few people went along and watched them in the the you know the vacuum that was Murrayfield. Yeah, but. Just the way you can see it when you watch it live now, it feels like a club with proper fans. Yeah, and I think I think I think where we're finding it, I think I think the players are now realizing. Um, the players, you know, the, the the players got to meet a lot of the fans in the tunnel at Murrayfield, and and they've got their selfies and their and their autographs and things like that. But they never, I don't think they ever felt that they were part of a club really, um, because of, because they were. You know they were they're in the the vacuum that is Murrayfield. You know we've looking at that's that's the third um, the third game in a row that we've increased um, uh, uh, spectators. It was over six thousand at the match, and you could hear it. Um, and it is I was really say it seems noisy on the TV. Yeah, yeah, and it is really because you're also very close to the game. You can have a bit of banter with the players. You can have a bit of shout at folk, and I'll, I'll, once we go into hands in the rock, I can tell you who I was shouting at. Um, and uh, and and I think it was just I think, you know, for example, WP Nell. Um, no matter what anyone says, and he is getting a bit older in the edges, but he came on and the first scrum penalty he got, the place just about erupted. And he just he just stood up and just smiled at his opposite number, smiled at Bismarck Duplessis, and everybody kind of went, "Aye, aye, it's on." And uh, and it was just absolutely fantastic. And then Ian's gesturing because yeah, further down the line, then then um, there was some pushing and shoving after the second or the third maybe scrum penalty. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it's just one of those things. I think if we can if we can get to that point where. You know, we come out early. We catch people off guard uh, with this new play that seems to be working with um, with Mike Blair, and then all of a sudden defenses show up, and we struggle a little bit after that point to get through the defenses. If we can change a few of those little bits and pieces, then I think um, uh, I think we'll be a more rounded 
team. Um, and we'll get better, you know, we'll not get those last-minute scores at Bennett and things like that. Yeah, I wanted to, Charlie Shield impressed me as well at the weekend. I think we, we've talked about him previously on the podcast as being, you know, under Richard Cockrell, he kind of maybe came on, he would, he'd be given 10 minutes at the end of a game to try and win or change a game, and he'd overplay it a little bit, you could see he'd get frustrated. To endlessly box kick like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it, well, that was the thing. It's hard to know whether or not he came on the last ten minutes and he just kind of just try some stuff. And you, it's hard to know whether or not you're comparing him to Henry Pergos, who'd been on and been told, clearly told to endlessly box kick to nothing. Yeah. As to whether or not that was a mark that he was a better player or he was a pro, but actually, yeah, I thought he controlled the game really well. And yeah, he's got a great pass on them as well. Great pass yeah. from the, the, the bottom of the, the bottom of the, the ruck. Um, and uh, yeah, I. I, I there's just a couple of things I need, I would say need to be tidied up, um, and uh, you know with Charlie Shield, I think he's 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 getting to relax a little bit and realise actually I've got an opportunity now, um, and I don't have to be the the headless chicken. What what was your take on James Lang at ten? Which is you know we've we've heard for a long time that he can play ten, and he had to come on and I know I know in a Scotland shot, I know in a Scotland shot everyone's kind of gone yeah it's been a bit it's like. Yeah, but he's not amazing. He's never done he looks, like spectacular. He's solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think um apart from missing a kick right in front of the posts, um he uh, he had a a kick to, to to take us further in the lead and he hit the hit the upright. Um but I think I prefer him at twelve, um or thirteen, you know. I think uh, I think he's gonna be a he's a better centre than he is a ten. Um, I think the problem we have is, well, Mike Blair said it on TV. Actually, he said that he, you know, that his decision to go for a six-two split in the in the um, uh, on the bench was the wrong one. Um, but he, he was expecting to be dominant, you know, the, the the forwards to be dominant, and actually Edinburgh's forwards were the were the dominant team, you know, um, in, in the long in the long run, because because the South Africans definitely tired. Yeah, I don't. Think, I, I never knew Mark, Mark, Mark Bennett could kick. Oh, yeah, yeah, thundery about. Absolutely, plus plus fifty meters, easy. Uh, I did well. I think. I think you know, just a couple of you know, our our our, our line out was dire, um, and uh, we need to solve that very very quickly. Um, Any time Grant Gilchrist was jumping, he was getting it, but um, when it when it was going to somebody else, there was a uh, you know there was problems. Um, and we had some really good chances. We kicked kicked the ball into their five meter line, you know, just off the try line, and and we could have just taken that and and, and mauled it. And unfortunately, then the you know the, the line out was turned over. So and and that happened several times. So it is that was disappointing because I think the score actually could have been you know bigger. Yeah, did we um, yeah. did we went offside. That annoyed me. I, mean, when, uh, I think it was about an hour into the game. Um, <clears throat> You had a break down the right. Uh, Bennett maybe nudged it on, but Emelman yeah. had got himself offside. It's like, no, hold that back a bit. And it's yeah. the same, actually, when I watched Glasgow. Like, I think some of the Glasgow players are getting... Sorry, am I jumping ahead? You are, because <laughs> I'm going to... Before we get on to Glasgow, Ian, yes. John, Let's... Ian and Johnny, I want you to say one nice thing each about Edinburgh. John. I love that you are uh, still giving. You need to put. Like, you like need to put your hands up so you're not crossing your fingers. By the way, 
no, I really love that you are still giving an old man like Neil a nice retirement fund. Show you these. You'll show your front row a, a, a clean pair of heels. That's for sure. Uh, Darcy Graham looks to be back on. Yeah, yeah. Happy about that. Very much so. Yep, that was mine. Darcy Graham's defence, in particular, in the last ten minutes, especially, was fantastic. That the uh, the try saving tackle where he forced the boy into a double move, uh, and then getting up to stop that crossfield kick, both in the last ten minutes, I thought was. I thought fantastic. that double move call was tight, man. God, God, I, it was. Because uh, it's like oh, but he's propelled himself forward. Not really. He's kind of, <laughs> he did. He propelled himself with his arm, and then it was. And then, <laughs> then, he, then he went again. It's, uh, there was no. T- I'll tell you what. What was very obvious. Um, uh, there was. Uh, I've forgotten his name, but uh, both that winger and the other winger that um, with the the heads, the head guard uh, on. Adrancy. Yeah, they were both very switched on, um, constantly ha- hanging on the touchline. Um, Pushing the um, pushing the stand off to kick the ball out to them um, and get the ball out. You know they were like, for example, there was one um, I forgot the chap's name, but the guy who was who who, who missed that try or got that try turn. You know, said it wasn't a note, it wasn't a try. He was hanging on, talking to the touch judge as if that so that the team, you know, Edinburgh were thinking, oh, he's just he's part of the the ball boys or something like that, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the ball would get. Kicked over and he would catch it, and he, 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 he looked very, very, yeah. Uh, was, smart play as well because you're you're yeah. almost saying to the, the touch judge, "I'm on side, sir. Look, just look where I am. Look, look, there's the line. I'm right here. I'm I'm on yeah. side." So you're kind of then you're removing any doubt from their mind, so that if because they always check those cross cross kicks, don't they? If, yeah. If you yeah. score from it, they always check it, and you're like, "Well, I was talking to him. He was, was right there." <laughs> See, so, one quick thing I would say about Edinburgh is uh, Tina's Lang said he'd come up here to play 12. They need to sort out their 10 situation. Oh, is yeah, it going yeah. to be Savala, um, Chamberlain? Like, has he really come on? You know, even Do now you know. that Super 6 is finished, uh, Jason Baggett, is he going to come back in? I oh, know there's, there's this kind of rule that Super 6 can't, can't go you, down a step, but I think can't nah. go down a step. You can go you down to the Premiership, but you can't, you can't go below Premiership. So you can't go to... They can go and play for a Premiership team, but they can't go yeah. to National 1. So you couldn't go and play... You can't play for your your, your kind of parent club, so to speak. So, so you can't go and play for Melrose. See, I just thought it wouldn't, that you can go play with your with your Prem team either. So it's like, you know, for example... But none, when, them have got, uh, none of them have got Prem teams because they're all relegated to the, to National true, 1. I don't know, it's just about to think that Van der Volk, but he's not in the... Again, I'm jumping the gun. Um, yeah, so I, uh, you took a big injury the weekend. Yeah. yeah, I got a news notification that it was like, oh, Edinburgh have big win against the Bulls, but it's marred by injury to Scotland star. And I was like, oh, I don't remember anybody getting injured. I went and checked it was Van der Velt. I was like, mm, <laughs> heavy lifting going on there, boys, let's be. <laughs> what I will oh, say, uh, just, oh, just a little bit of defence on the old Jacko. Um, he played out his skin again. Um, and he's really shown himself this season um, to be when he's played. He's been fantastic. He's back to his old self again. Um, but 
now, unfortunately, he's, he's had a fairly hefty shoulder injury, I think. So, um, you know, it's not that I'm saying he's, I'm quite glad he's not going off to Scotland because, you know, we need our tens. We need our tens. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you have none. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. are we before we send Duncan Weir across the M8 again? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, but, oh, he's been such a smart signing until he plays golf on the weekend. I did not say that. I did not say that. <laughs> I have been absolutely damning in my criticism from Weir since the moment we signed him. I tagged Glasgow. Warriors in it when they announced him and was like, I all right, boy, I'm in stupid signing this, bloody retirement home, etc. 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 I'll have none of your stuff, Craig. <laughs> right. We've I've um we've got five minutes to talk about Glasgow. Uh, I don't think it'll take that long. Rubbish no, game. No. We won, move on. Uh yeah. Riffus McLean's well, I, I'm not letting you move on that quickly. Come on. Riffus McLean you? is dynamite. He is box office. Yeah, he's this is strength. This is strength through tackles is quite remarkable. Yeah. Um he was a he was a wee boy last season as well. He's I, got big really quick. He's yeah. he's really, really piled on the, the muscle and he's kept his speed as well. If not, he's faster than he was. He was he's so rapid and this like spatial awareness just to see that gap and just <laughs> gone. Yeah. Brilliant. He's he's with with the Scotland squad the way it's been announced. I could see him getting some pretty decent game time over the autumn. Siona Tia Pelota is another one that I think oh, has to be bang yeah. on for the Tonga game. Yeah, because that, that try where they were switch, just switching it back and forward, that just... That, see, was, that was just really simple. It's re- what I like about it is it's just really simple rugby, but it works. Yeah. See, uh, that was a really nice example of Warriors excellent support play, but not overdoing it. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. like there's been a lot of times people have made a break, uh, but then whoever it is, they're too keen to get on the shoulder, so they end yeah. up overrunning it. Yeah. Um, you know, just a wee bit of composure, just like hold back a meter, hold back a meter a wee second, just let the guy who's got the ball will look what's in front of him, then make a decision. But if you're right on, because there's been a few forward passes which have broken up um, plays, but you know, when the likes of you know, if George Horn's charging away, then you've got Sione, you know, just on one shoulder, and then you know, out wide, whether it's McLean or Cancellari or uh, Forbes, um, who we'll get onto later, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, it's just sometimes that wee bit of over exuberance because you know this is this is now a very young back three Glasgow had. Where's my complaint of the last couple of years have been we've got. Old, it's, you know, great as DTH, Lee Jones, Nico, and all that world. You know, they don't, they don't have that one or two, that initial one or two meter burst of pace yeah. that they used to have when they were, you know, in their early twenties. Um, but you know, it's encouraging signs uh, as well. We're not as, I mean, fair enough. We've not, apart from the Ulster, who we did far better against than we did last year. We look a lot more solid in defence. I think one of the big things about that is the fact that Richie Gray has been fit. Um, yeah. A lot of the time he was, you know, he had he was out for a long time with concussion. Understandably, good things we don't want to rush him back. Um, that's one thing about Scotland, uh, sorry Glasgow, and even Scotland being soft, especially Glasgow being the soft pack. You know, uh, that Lewis Bean is now a full time guy in, and he, he's a. No, he's not Leone Nakarawa, he's not brilliant or anything, but he's a big lumpy guy. Yeah. And that's it's that's what we needed. We, we needed weight. Um so you know, having Grey coming in, uh you know, they've they've Grey, I think 
Richie Grey's work rate is just phenomenal. It seems to be a he's, family uh, trait. He's tough um, as a coffin nail, Lewis Bean as well. Like, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. He's he's a serious. <laughs> I, um, can, I, I, can I say a downside about go on then, because you know, in this, well, because I'm obviously the balanced one here. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I find that really funny. I apologise. <laughs> um, speaking of composure, so two below two, very composed. George Horn has started this season. He started. He's had some very good games, but I don't know what's like. Where he's got Sander, what? But he is an agitated little man, and he was being very, very angry at the weekend. Uh, got he did get his march back, and uh, I mean, the refereeing was interesting at the weekend, as uh, oh, often is with, with that gentleman in charge. But uh, Horn should should know better. Age twenty six. Yeah, um, I, I will just say that I will just say that when Ryan Wilson won Man of the Match, and it was presented by Nick Grigg, it did just look like. Our dad and his son out for a day out together <laughs> at the rugby. And Nick Griggs, he's there. <laughs> <laughs> right, make what? Craig say something nice about us now. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> Craig's, oh, Craig's, look, Craig's done his fair share and you, you're outnumbered him three to one. <laughs> may, may, may I say, I'll give you, I'll give you a great point. Um, uh, it was really good to see uh, Glasgow. Their penalty count was far higher than Zebra. It's fantastic. They're the winners. They're the winners. But that's, but but that's that's not a bad thing to win a game where you in current penalties. That's not something that either pro teams been great at. <laughs> something to be expected. But it's not something to be expected. Not something I when want. Wilson and Fraser fixed. Brown are in your team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Fraser Brown is an absolute right. penalty animal just now, should, isn't he? Right. Should, should, should we move on to the Scotland national team selections then? Because we're, I have an opinion do about that. that. Do you know what we're going to do? We're going to do that for our patrons only. Because oh, that's that's the end of the main podcast this week. Oh, we wow. say thank you very much to everybody for listening, who's who, all our non-Patreon listeners. Um, we're going to talk about the additional um, kind of the additions to the Scotland squad and the emissions, even though some people have dropped out. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back next week on the main podcast. We'll have got um, URC to review. We'll have Tonga to preview. It's the Autumn Nation series kind of starts ramping up. So we'll be back next Wednesday. Um, for the moment, though, it is goodbye for me and goodbye from John, Ian, Craig, and Johnny. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Hey,